Welcome to Street Smart Business Leaders powered by Cloud. I'm Michelle Ellis, CEO of Cloud, a national public relations and marketing communications firm headquartered in Chicago. We're dedicated to uncovering insights and cultural trends and using them to help business leaders better understand today's consumer. We also invite some of the best minds in business to come on our show to share their insights and experiences. So stick around to the end of this podcast, and I'll tell you how you might become a guest on our show in about 15 minutes. So enjoy this podcast, and we'll talk soon. Thanks. Thank you for joining us. Uh, this is you know Street Smart for Business Leaders. Uh, again, I'm Sean Ellis, and I want to welcome uh, my guest today, uh, Bill Murray, which you have a great name too. <laughs> There's a lot that's happening with this. <laughs> Love it. Uh, you, well, you know, Michelle, I, I think we could just talk all afternoon and have fun, you know, but, <laughs> but you hit one of the one of the funniest things. My name is Bill Murray. I worked in the movie business. And, you know, I spent a, a long time disappointing people because <laughs> I call them up on the telephone and you know what they would say to me? Are you the Bill Murray? Right, right, right. <laughs> and I'd say, no, I'm not the Bill Murray. And right away they're like, oh, we were right, hoping right. you were, you know, so... <laughs> That's funny. So why don't, why don't we start here? Why don't you just tell us about your background? Tell us where you're from, where you went to school, family. Would love to love to hear about that. And then we'll, we'll, we'll talk the, the business stuff. You know, Michelle, that's such a great question. And I really appreciate it. Life can be so amazing. But sometimes when you're in the middle of it, it's not quite clear where it's taking you. I grew up in New Jersey. Uh, my parents were first of their generation to go to college and uh, get a professional degree. Uh, I was a sick kid growing up. I was socially awkward. I was bored out of my school in school. My grades were terrible. I went off to college and I actually dropped out of college. Oh, wow. I bummed okay. around the country. I traveled and I had an epiphany. And it was, man, if you don't go back to college and finish that degree, you're going to be washing dishes in restaurants and you're going to be doing construction jobs and all the things I was doing. And there's nothing wrong with that work. I mean, that was one of the things that I learned. But that's not easy. And that's a hard, hard life. So I went back to school, Albright College, a literal liberal arts college. I went off to graduate school and I got an MBA in international business. I worked my way through school, man. I worked third shift in a convenience store, 11 o'clock at night until 7 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, coffee got me through those third shifts so I could get up and go to school in the morning. And it's still giving me a living. So coffee's going to be there. Yeah. I love it. That's fantastic. So, so they, yeah, let's talk about that. So you're president and CEO of the Coffee Association. So you want to? So tell me what that entails. Hey, you get free coffee. I, that's what everyone's going to know if you get free coffee. But let's let's talk about what the duties are for the for the job. I do get free coffee sometimes. I'm not going to lie. You know, I don't ask, but people just offer. And if anybody wants to offer who's out there, you can send it my way. So trade associations are really interesting animals. People that are competitors who are normally fighting tooth and nail with each other, they recognize that sometimes it makes more sense for them to work together, for them to sit around the table, because there are some issues 
where we're all stronger together and we need to work sure. together. So, you know, a good example for the Coffee Association, coffee and health. Drinking coffee is really good for you. If each individual company had a totally different perspective on this, consumers would be so confused at the end of the day, sure. they wouldn't know who to listen to. Okay. Right. So yeah. what we do is we look at the researches out there. We talk to our companies as a group of companies. We represent over 200 different coffee companies. We reach a consensus on what the most important health information is about coffee. And then we speak on behalf of the industry about coffee and health. So when you think about coffee as a category, what are the issues that affect the category? Sustainability, sure. market research opportunities, legislation that might impact the sector. The industry looks to us. So it's my job to negotiate positions among all these companies that are normally pretty aggressive competitors, and then to figure out what we need to do as an industry to help those companies be more successful. So, you know, Michonne, sometimes I get questions from people and they say, What's a typical job, a typical day like at the association? And the answer is there is no typical day. And that's what I love what I do. Okay, that's fantastic. And so so let's talk about this a little bit. So folks were at home last year in 2022 uh, due to the pandemic. And you know, so how'd you guys do? How how'd the association do? How'd you how'd you keep folks committed to a single voice? Uh, a united front um, as an association. Um, I have to imagine that things were good because people were home or people were drinking more coffee. Wow, what a great question. Well, how happy coffee companies were throughout this pandemic, it really depended upon what type of coffee company they were and where they are in the supply chain. Uh, see. So if you've got a little coffee shop, and, you know, you and your partner, you run this coffee shop, and all of a sudden, you want to close your business. You are in a really tough situation. Sure. But if you're a big coffee company and you're putting coffee on grocery store shelves and you're selling through Amazon, lots of opportunity. So the good news overall for the sector is unlike the hotel business, the restaurant business, the airline business, you're exactly right, Sean. People had to drink their coffee. So, you know, people didn't have to keep traveling. They didn't have to keep going to hotels. And those people really had a hard time. Sure. Coffee companies, it was more about adjusting. And so what we saw as an association mm-hmm. was that we were able to help our companies through sort of a cycle of needs. The very first questions were, can I keep my business open? What do I need to do to protect my workers? And they look to us to help give them information. You know, you might call this like industrial hygiene information. How do I run my business and keep it safe? The next set of questions, you'll remember there were shutdowns all across the country. Yeah. We, yeah. Right? we got a lot of questions from people. Can I keep my coffee company open? Coffee is actually a food. And food is an essential business, okay? Really? So, wow. Exactly. Okay, exactly. I didn't know that, you know? Right? So we got, you know, calls from people, and they're like, look, in my community, they've issued a do not go to work order unless you're essential. 
I've got people like in my coffee roasting plans, they may not speak English particularly well. They may be really worried about interacting with authorities. They're really concerned, right? What do I tell my people? What does the law say? Can you help us interpret that? So we did. The next set of questions, can you get us financial assistance? Can you help us navigate the really complicated landscape to get these PPP loans? And then the last set of questions was, when are people coming back? What is the market research telling us? When should I get ready? And what should I do to make people more comfortable in my coffee business? So we commissioned some research and we went out to over a thousand consumers. So, so as an association, what we found was that our members needed us more than ever during this crisis. And to be really honest, we move like the wind. I mean, every couple of weeks, new issue, new resource. What can we do? What can we do? We make our money as an association through dues, member dues. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And I'm really happy to report we had a very high level of retention, you know, last year and this year, people stuck with us, but we worked really hard to try to listen to what was making them hurt, what they were suffering with, and to get them answers that weren't opinions, weren't guesses, but, you know, we might talk to a lawyer, we might do some sure. research and get them what they needed to know. That is fantastic. And that's invaluable. Well, that's how association should work. And in times of crisis, boy, I, I can only imagine being a small, you know, coffee company or coffee shop, you know, and, and being hit like that, but also having a great resource to turn to. You mentioned the research part of it. That is, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and I, I do hope members are taking advantage of that because that's invaluable. That's an invaluable resource that I rely on heavily in the work that I do. So to, to have um, uh, a partner that you can call and, and, and get that, and that's part of, you know, being a member, that's, that's fantastic. So what do you, what do you see? What's, what's, so for, for a moment in time, we, we were coming out of it and it looks like we're, we're coming back into uh, some, some quarantine kinds of uh, things. But uh, that aside, what do you see for the association? You as a leader, um, what, what's, um, what are you most excited about? And mm. I guess that's for the association. What are you most excited about? Yeah. You know, I think there's sort of two perspectives I could take this from. One is what excites me about coffee and then what excites me about the association, which is what I do all day long. Sure. What's super cool about coffee is it almost reinvents itself every generation or half generation. You know, your grandma, your grandpa, your parents, they were purchasing based upon the price, the mm -hmm. brand, and convenience. Now, we're seeing people make purchase decisions based upon their values, upon the experience. Yeah. Right. So the coffee business is continually exploring how to adapt? You get cold brew coffee. You get coffee with additional ingredients in there, coffee plus beverages. Mm -hmm. So let me take that and switch that over to the association. For a long time, the coffee business was really simple. People bought coffee beans, they roasted them, they ground them up, and they had a cup of coffee. Now people might want to be thinking about putting CBD in their coffee. Oh, or yeah. 
right? Or about ready-to-drink beverages. Mm -hmm. There are enormous complexities with each of these things. There are technical complexities. There are safety considerations. There are labeling considerations. Mm -hmm. So what excites me about the association is we get to be out there at the leading edge, the bleeding edge, and hear from our members. We keep our ears to the ground about what they're thinking about what's next, right? So we'll we'll hear from people who say, hey, I think people are really into CBD. I'd love to launch a CBD beverage, but the legal situation is a nightmare. You know, you got federal law. It's going to be a hard, hard right? Yeah. Yeah. So you got a federal law, state law, you got questions about the health impact. Can you help us as an association navigate our way through this? So what I see is the continuing evolution of coffee and the need for the association to do a couple of things. First of all, help them with these sort of technical issues as they continue to evolve. But one of the huge opportunities is talking to consumers, to coffee drinkers, about coffee health, you know. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier. I didn't. I didn't associate coffee with being healthy for you. So, oh okay. man, so I'm sorry, Andrew. Go, go for it. Uh, no, Michelle, no, this is yeah. this is great. This is great. Yeah. Let, let's talk about this. Okay. We are all conflicted about coffee for a couple of reasons. First of all, for years and years and years, people associated coffee with smoking, coffee and a cigarette. Okay. And what we have learned is that people that have nicotine in their bloodstream, they process caffeine more quickly. So if you're a smoker, you're more likely to drink more coffee to keep that effect going. And as a result of that, there's a mistaken connection between cancer and coffee. Because when people looked at coffee drinkers, the people that drank the most coffee tended to be smokers. And they tended to have higher rates of cancer. But in the last 20 years, that's all been picked apart. And the doctors and the scientists now understand that those are separate things. And that drinking coffee, if you're not a smoker, it's actually really good for you. You tend to live longer. You tend to have less incidence of diabetes. You tend to have less incidence of things like Parkinson's disease or Alzheimer's. But the reason we still are a little confused about this is because of the caffeine. We love our caffeine in the morning, but if we're up at two o'clock in the morning and we can't sleep, we're like, man, it's that coffee. The coffee made it happen, right? <laughs> so, so people have this push-pull thing with their coffee, but if you just take the coffee and you look at the research, it's actually really good for you. And you know, this is where I got to add the disclaimer. We don't pay for that research, right? We don't commission research. We look at independent research that's out there. That's so awesome. let's connect all these pieces. Consumers are more interested in making choices that connect to their values and their lifestyle than ever before. Yeah. People are more concerned about being healthy, making healthy choices. Coffee is a healthy choice. But they're not completely aware of the fact that coffee is a healthy choice. Oh, one of the really big opportunities we have is to talk to consumers in a really honest and practical way. Like, look, right, man, if you're sensitive to caffeine, we get that. And we're not going to say, drink it anyway. We're going to say, be mindful of the caffeine. 
Sure. But if you're if you like coffee and you know you're interested in something healthy, absolutely, it's good for you. I and thank you for that. And you said something else that uh, I often talk to guests about, and you you, you tapped it, which is uh, consumers, and they are shopping with their values now, uh, and they're picking brands based on how they feel about that brand or or what that brand stands for. Um, more so than, Hey, I think this is a really, really quality product we've seen, you know, where I think we're coming through the, the cancel culture, but, but you saw it last year. And so, and I'd have to believe that the coffee industry is also, um, uh, it has to be mindful of, of, of how things get done. So I, I like, you're right. Certain people will choose a coffee brand because, Hey, these guys are, organic or, or, you know, they, they treat their workers right, whatever it is, you know, how do you, uh, and this may be a no answer, but do you guys play any role in, in, in uh, ensuring that, you know, things are done the right way as far as supply chain? And you may, uh, I'm just curious, you may be, you know, Michelle, we, we've never met before like this, right? And I am loving this because you are, it's, it's like, you're taking me right to all the things that I'm loving to talk about here. Uh, so in the coffee space, there is a lot of attention to these questions. Mm-hmm. Things like sustainability, was my coffee grown someplace? Where the water resources and the and deforestation where these things yeah. were passed, were the workers who picked the coffee were they paid a decent wage? Right. So oh, there are lots of these types of issues that connect to people's values. We do a couple of things. First of all, we uh, we do some market research with consumers every year, sure. and we ask consumers to what degree are these types of considerations a factor when they make purchase decisions. So something that's really interesting, if you go back two years ago, you'd see certain numbers and and there's concern about these issues. During the pandemic, consumers told us that they were a little less interested in these factors than they had been earlier. In other words, people are not working, they're out of their jobs, they're conserving their cash, they gotta worry about their budget. And what they're really telling us is, I'm less worried about sustainability than I used to be because I got these other things that are hanging over me. Sure. Right. Our perspective is for a company, for brands, now's the time to actually double down on these things. I mean, you don't blow with the wind. If your company stands for something and you're really believing in sustainability, just because consumers are having a really tough time at the moment, a little less interested they don't want to see you as a fickle brand that's out there. They want to know that you're committed, that you really live these values, you know, and you're attached to them. Mm-hmm. But against that fact, um, there's a larger issue. And it's, you know, 70% of Americans are drinking coffee. People come from all sorts of economic backgrounds, oh, wow. all sorts of perspectives. You know, when I get up in the morning in New York and I walk to my office, there's a guy out there with a coffee cart. He got up at four o'clock in the morning and he's selling an inexpensive cup of coffee. The folks that are buying that coffee from the coffee car, they're making a choice and maybe it's driven by their pocketbook. They can't afford to pay three or four times for that coffee. Sure. So, right, they're a value focused consumer. 
but we're in this really interesting generational moment where there's lots of folks that their values, their values, not value, are, are driving that decision. So um, we do a bunch of things. We connect with organizations like Conservation International, which is a member of our association, okay. Okay. the Rainforest Alliance, with nonprofits and NGOs that are out there working to provide certifications to verify the coffee was responsibly sourced. We provide our members with information about stuff they should be doing to verify all along the supply chain, you know, what's what. But ultimately, consumers make choices, and we want to make sure that our members have everything they need to address whatever consumer group they're focused on. That's fantastic. And that's, uh, who knew, you know, my my morning Joe, who who knew? (laughs) This is fantastic. So, so tell me a little bit. So I, 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 again, I enjoy learning about you, reading about you. So tell me about the movie business. So what was that? (laughs) What was that? (laughs) Oh, and then that's a different, the reason why I'm interested in it, because that's a different, everything we do, you know, there's the, the consumer. And we have to take into consideration what will motivate them to, uh, you know, consider or try or become loyal to your, your product. And I'm a firm believer in that everything serves you, meaning you're, you're, you pick up things along the way that get you to the point that you're at now. And so um, I'm curious of how these things serve you now. You know, so the movie business, PRSA. How are those things serving you in the real role now? I'm curious yeah. about that as an well, executive. Well, they really are. Let, let's go back like sequentially and let's first talk about PRSA. Uh, so the PRSA is the Public Relations Society of America and it's a professional association for, at the time, 32,000 PR practitioners and students, people that were completely dedicated to their careers as professional communicators. Sure. I ran the association for just about eight years. And what was so fascinating was it was a moment in history where we were moving out of an analog world into a digital world. Mm. So there were questions like, for example, how do you take PR people who are mid-career people for whom the fax, the fax machine was a new thing and teach them social media? How do you talk to them about ethics? So, you know, you, you discourage people from pretending to be somebody on social media. So that whole experience was about best practices in the field of communications. And what was interesting for me was it was an opportunity for me to learn from some of the best people in the business sure. and then to figure out what we could take and share with others. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Sometimes you talk to PR people and they'll say, ooh, we're going to get you great buzz, right? And what I would say is don't talk to me about buzz. Let's break this out into the three crucial things, okay? The first thing is this. Who are we trying to reach? Have we really articulated? Is this a customer? Is it a voter? Is it an older person, a potential customer? Do we know exactly who we're trying to reach? That's the first question, okay? The second question is what so we go from who to what what is it that i want them to do do i want them to buy something do i want them to know that i'm out there do i want them to vote for my candidate do i want them to think differently about an issue so 
That whole thing is the second group of questions. Mm -hmm. And then the third question is, what are the actions, the outcomes that are going to let me know if I was successful in reaching the right people with the right thing? Okay. Now, in a real simple case, it might be, okay, can I get people to buy more coffee? Okay. But, but too often, we get lost in the metrics and say, wow, we had 100,000 website visitors. Well, that's really good. But was I trying to collect their information to work on a campaign that I want them to click through to an order form that I want them to tell other people and retweet me? Like, what was it that's going to tell me that I was successful? So, right. So it was this kind of conversation, Michelle, where like people are like, oh, social media, I've got all these followers and this is cool. Okay, let's focus. Let's get right down to the business. Yeah. So what was really cool about that experience was I went from the movie business, which was you know 20 years I spent there and a very different set of issues, into learning in a much more technically rigorous kind of way mm-hmm. how to be a communicator, how to be an influencer, how to teach other people how to do these things. And then I got to come to the world of coffee. And then I got an opportunity after teaching best practices to be a practitioner, oh, to take yeah. what I'd learned, right? And talk about coffee in a way where I could try to answer these questions for myself. Sure. So, so if you were talking to, just to, to start to close it out, you were talking to, so you mentioned entrepreneurs. Uh, so if you were giving advice um, someone who wants to be in the coffee business. And I know that's a really broad thing. So um, whatever perspective you can add to it, that'd be great. Um, what would you say? What, what's great about, I guess, what's great about being in the, the coffee business? And wow. If you were talking to an entrepreneur who's, you know, looking for that opportunity, could coffee be one of those lanes? Oh, you bet. So uh, a couple of things. First of all, coffee is reinventing itself. So if you're an idea person, if you're someone who likes to try new things, you want to take chances, coffee's a good place to try to do that. Today it's CBD coffee. Yesterday it was cold brew coffee. Right before that, it was single serve coffee. It's going to be something else and something else and something else. So good place to be because it keeps changing. That's the first thing. Second thing, having worked in Hollywood where people are vicious and it's a tough shark, really, it's a, it's a shark's nest. Sure. Uh, coffee people are 180 degrees different. I think when you go out and you meet a coffee farmer in El Salvador, Brazil, in Rwanda, you have to be humbled. And if you're not grounded, you're not in the coffee business. And I love the empathy, the compassion, and the genuine perspective the coffee people have. So that's a, one of the reasons I love being here. But the third thing is this. There's so many dimensions of coffee that you can almost take whatever other interests you have and you can connect them to coffee. If you're scientific, we have coffee scientists out there. If yeah. you're into market research, you can dig deep into the research and do the data. If you're a restaurant person, you can take your coffee service, you can work it into your entree, you can do all kinds of things. Very if you want to be a Wall Street guy, a commodity broker, there's coffee trading out there. So when you look at that supply chain, Michelle, 
you say, you know, there's a whole bunch of things I like. Maybe I can connect those to coffee. Trust me, you can. So some great reasons to think about coffee for a career. Well, and there you have it, folks. That was fantastic. Bill Murray, the Coffee Association. Hey, thank you so much for coming on Street Smart. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for being here. I do too. And keep drinking your coffee, Michelle. <laughs> Will do. Will do. Hi, Michelle Ellis here. Thank you so much for listening to Street Smart Business Leaders. If you're a successful business leader and you'd like to be on this program, please visit our website at clopllc.com slash podcast slash apply. And we'll take a look. And if you got something out of this interview, please share this episode on your social media. Just simply take a screenshot with your phone, text it to a friend, or post it on social. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And be sure to include our hashtag, uh, Street Smart Business Leaders. I love seeing your posts and, and guest suggestions, so please help us out with that. And also, we're regularly putting out episodes and content, so to make sure that you don't miss an episode, uh, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, reviews go a long way to helping us promote the show, and it means a lot to my team. So thanks for that. And if you want more, go to our website or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. On Instagram, my, my handle is Michonne underscore Ellis, so you can find me pretty easily. So thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll talk next time.